This week, August Higgins joins us to talk about church history and spiritual formation and how those things inform one another. So, what spiritual discipline has made the biggest difference in your walk with the Lord? And yes, reading the Bible is a spiritual discipline. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. But I want you to think a little bit beyond that. So, um, have you ever tried meditative prayer? And that really um, spoke to you or... um, you know, whatever that might look like for you, practicing silence, practicing, you know, any of those kind of things. Um, is there a specific spiritual discipline that has been really impactful for your own um, walk with the Lord? And then secondly, we obviously, or most of us in the room, we're either, hey, I'll come on in. We're either Baptist or Baptist adjacent because we're here at the First Baptist Church of San Antonio, right? So Baptist is part of our spiritual journey. But what is something that you've learned from someone outside of the Baptist world, someone who's a Christian from a different denomination or a different Christian tradition, have you ever interacted with somebody outside of the Baptist world and you really learned something from them when it comes to um, your walk with the Lord? So talk about those two things around tables and then we will get started with our guest speaker. So, all right, come back in just a few minutes. Okay, y'all. So I'm glad y'all are talking around tables, but um, we want to get to the the main event of the night. Um, And so if y'all would give a round of applause for Austin Higgins, if you want to come on up. Sorry, I said Austin. August Higgins. I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. No, I was thinking about my friend Austin that was supposed to come tonight. (laughs) Um, So y'all, I'm really excited that August is here um, because he is, we'll get into this, but he's, um, on staff with Truett Seminary, with Oblate Seminary. He's, we were just joking before. You're basically with every single university in San Antonio. Um, and so he has all kinds of cool things to say. And so I'm just really excited that he is here with us. And so anyway, thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's great to see everybody. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. And so, and what we'll do, um, like we do whenever we have, sometimes it's like dialectical the whole night. Sometimes it's, um, we save our Q&A for the end. And so that's what we'll do tonight. So we're going to go through some of these things. And then we'll, um, if you have questions um, as they come up, we'll, we'll do that at the end. We'll end with some Q&A if that's okay with you. Um, but okay, so to get us started, tell us about um, your work, what you teach on now at Oblate and Truett and how you got into all of this. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I am uh, a Baptist by tradition. I'm a member at Trinity Baptist Church just across the way a little bit. Um, and up until about two months ago, I was on staff there. I uh, was been on staff for the last five or so years. Um, um, so kind of going in reverse order. Uh, I went to Truett Seminary in Waco at Baylor University and um, knew I was going to go into ministry at some level. wasn't quite entirely sure what that was going to look like. Thought initially I might even join the Air Force and be a chaplain for a time. Uh, and it was at Truett, uh, getting into some of the classes, and um, that I really kind of fell in love with the kind of academic side of it, the research and the history and the thinking through these big questions. And I like to read and write, and that was all kind of, kind of coming together. And uh, so I decided at Truett that I wanted to go on and do um, a PhD and get my doctorate in, in something. Um, and my, my wife, Jessie, uh, was finishing up her degree in counseling. She's in mental health. Um, and so there was, kind of a, there was kind of a gap of about a year after I graduated from Truett and she was still mm-hmm. in school. And so we weren't 
I wasn't really able to move to a new city to do um, a doctoral program, and so I was just kind of looking around to see what was I going to do for the next year or so, and I stumbled across a on, on online the Oblate School of Theology, which is here in San Antonio. Uh, it's a, a Roman Catholic school, and I was like, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll do a, an MA, write a thesis paper that will help me get into yeah. graduate school, help me do all of that. And so I called them, and I was just asking them about, you know, could I transfer credits, all that sort of stuff. And they said, well, sure. We're also just about to launch a PhD program. Would you like to oh my uh, apply for that? Oh, cool. And I was like, great. Like, it wasn't on the website. <laughs> like, they hadn't even, like, officially, like, announced it yet. Oh, my goodness. And so, um, so we moved to San Antonio. I started um, a PhD in Christian spirituality, which I didn't realize was a thing you could get a I didn't know that PhD either. in. That's awesome. Uh, and, I, and I was like, okay, great. What does Christian spirituality mean um, as a yeah. study? Yeah. And it's a Catholic school, and I'm Baptist, and there's all kinds of questions. And I was like, how's this going to work? And uh, so I, I went, and uh, it was a cohort of two of us our, the first year. And um, Cliff, who is my uh, good friend and, and cohort partner, he was a former Baptist pastor that through various uh, pieces in his life uh, had converted to Roman Catholicism later in life. Um, and so we had a lot of kind of common history and kind of could share and translate a lot of things uh, between the, the Roman Catholic world and the, the Baptist or evangelical world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so fast forward, uh, graduated at the very start of the pandemic. I had a, I had a, my Defense was on Zoom in April of 2020. It was like a brand new. I graduated in 2022. It's, it's like a, it was a, a wild brand time. New thing like what was going to happen? Um, <laughs> but I was also working at the at Trinity at Baptist Church at the time, and so we were kind of here. Um, and then um, three months ago, I accepted a full time position at Oblate to direct their master's program in Christian spirituality, and so I have just transitioned That's off awesome. of the staff at at Trinity, and I'm now doing that uh, kind of full-time, yeah. which is great. And then awesome. I do some adjunct teaching at Truett yeah. here in San Antonio and Incarnate Word and Trinity University, and <laughs> I taught a class at Texas <laughs> Lutheran last year, so just kind of kind of bouncing around uh, awesome. the teaching. So, yeah. yeah. So, you, okay, so is it just UTSA and a&M San Antonio now, and then you've yeah. made the full, okay. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done anything at Our Lady of the Lake or at okay. St. Mary's yet either, so there's a, oh, there's yeah. a, few, there's a okay. few places that I haven't been to, but I'll get, there, awesome. I'll get there eventually. Yeah, you got it, yeah, at this point, just make the full loop, just you know, get, full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome, and, and y'all, if you were here over the last, like, year and a half or so, um, we have a few connections to August through, his wife, Jessie, joined us, um, for our mental health month back in 2021, that was a really mm -hmm. long time ago now. Um, but like he said, she is a, a counselor and she is awesome. She and the choir is serenading us now. I was like, what? Is, yeah. <laughs> are the angels singing to us? But um, and then uh, if y'all remember Father John Markey, um, he came a couple semesters ago now, um, and he is from Oblate Seminary, and so we've yes. tangentially gotten yeah. several of y'all. So <laughs> yeah, and Father Markey is a very close friend of mine. He was a professor of mine when I was a student there, and now we are colleagues and work, work together. Uh, we've 
worked on a couple of book projects a couple of years ago. Um, so it's, yeah, he's a, yeah. he's a great guy. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to get him to come back. So, um, so maybe this will be my, like, August came and joined us, yeah. you know. Come yeah. on, come on back. Um, okay, so that's awesome. So that's cool that you've been, did you grow up Baptist? Is that how so you... I was telling our, we were talking our, to our table. Okay. I was born in the Methodist church okay. for about six years. Um, my mom was born and raised Catholic, and my dad was born and raised Methodist. Somehow along the line, that meant that we were Lutheran for a couple of years, and then no, that's fair. That's, and then yeah. found okay. our way to First Baptist Church in Georgetown, which okay. is kind of my home church that I kind of grew up in, middle school, high school, uh, and then um, we have we have stayed inside the Baptist tradition uh, since then. Yeah. So kind of an eclectic, That's uh, awesome. eclectic background, which which makes me feel right at home at, at Oblate, yeah. and the, you know, kind of navigating some of those ecumenical inter, yeah, kind of conversations of, uh, of the Catholic way of of being Christian and the Baptist way of being Christian yeah. are distinct in a lot in a lot of uh, the kind of practices yeah. and the things that we do, uh, yeah. but sharing that kind of common core of a faith in Jesus and, and yeah. all of that, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's what Blaze and I say we're Catholic, Baptist, which at some point you're just ecumenical, right? You know, because right. we've grown up with, you know, all the different traditions. And mm-hmm. really, I think that makes it so rich when you're able to you know, and it's not just saying, well, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? But no. um, when you're able to look at a wider lens of Christianity, you know, and, and you've been able to do that. So you studied amongst Catholic Christians, amongst Baptists, and across all these different denominational backgrounds. So when it comes to spiritual formation, um, like you said, some of these things happen differently across different Christian traditions. So what do you notice? Mm-hmm. What are the differences when it comes to our spiritual formation and discipleship and those kind of things? Um, across those different traditions. Yeah, you know, at, at, at a basic level, there's not a lot of difference, right? I mean, we yeah. we have the Old and New Testaments. We have Sunday morning church. We have pastors or, or priests. We we pray. Uh, you know, the, the the common story of our faith in terms of um, you know from Genesis to Revelation. You know, there's a there's a lot of things that we share together. Mm-hmm. You move just past that, though, and things look wildly different. Yeah. So, um, you know, in any any former or mixed around Catholic folks in the audience, yeah. <laughs> mixed around. That's yeah, a good. <laughs> yeah. San Antonio, it's yeah. like it's bound to happen. Yeah, right, that someone we have has, some of that. In yeah, our- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, you think of, um, you know, growing up or, or being a part of a Catholic tradition, um, the, the language that we use is, is quite different. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Sunday worship services versus the mass yeah. uh, and uh, priest versus pastor and, um, you know, the, the Eucharist versus the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper. You know, and so there's some of these kind of the vocabulary and the things that we do um, on a kind of daily level uh, look a little bit a bit different. And so in terms of formation, though, I think probably the, the biggest difference uh, is for Baptist evangelicals, a lot of it, we're kind of left up to our own devices. Mm. You know, we have, um, you know, we 
you know, we have we have pastors and we have you know deacons and leaders in, in the life of, yeah. of our church, but it's it's really sort of a you get what you put into it mm. kind of a uh, of true. a uh, of an experience of, of faith. Yeah. And in the in the Catholic world and in other Protestant traditions that are more in the main line or uh, that have kind of a you know bishops or some sort of hierarchical structure, there's a little bit more uh, structure in that, and so. Uh, you maybe have heard of confirmation, you know, for yeah. example, you know, it's a process of kind of like our youth group or something in, in a Baptist expression where you're going through and, te- and learning the, the history of the church, uh, the, the doctrines, uh, what it means to be a member of the Catholic church. And there is um, a really, I think, kind of unique thing where the, you know, if you walk into a Catholic church in San Antonio or you walk into a Catholic church in Nairobi, the liturgy, the mass will have its own sort of unique flavor and, you know, it'll, it'll be in its own space, but the, but the common core of that teaching uh, on on that service is going to be the same across, Mm -hmm. around the world, right? You walk into Trinity Baptist Church next Sunday, you're walking to First Baptist Church next Sunday, we're going to be talking about in different sermon series, we're going to have kind of a different way of, of thinking about that. Yeah. And so there is a, there's a kind of a, a, a unity inside of the Catholic world, I think, that's a little different from mm-hmm. our kind of more, um, you know, there's a lot more flexibility and, and creativity sometimes in the, the Baptist uh, yeah. formation process. Yeah, but some, and there's pros and cons to all of that, oh, sure. right? Because yeah, yeah. that, that would be comforting to be able to say, you know, wherever I am, I know I can show up to church and experience something that is unifying across, yeah. you know, across every um, Catholic church is, is, is in one way or another, right, experiencing the same thing. Right. But in Baptist life, like you said, we're left to our own devices. And sometimes that means uh, we're just kind of, you know, stringing things together or we're not, you know, we're, we're doing a good job with one thing but not with another thing, right? We're mm-hmm. Sometimes when we're left to our own devices, that gets kind of, it can get thin, right? Because we don't even know where to start or where to go. And sometimes I feel like with spiritual formation or adopting spiritual disciplines, that's how it feels. It's kind of like, uh, that seems like a wide world that I don't even know yeah. how to step into. Yeah, you know, when I was growing yeah. up in at, at First Baptist in Georgetown, you know, we talked a lot about in youth group, and maybe this is still the language of the youth these days, is <laughs> like quiet times. Is oh, that yeah. Still, uh-huh. Is that still like, it was like, have I don't know, I'm not a youth anymore, but yeah. yeah huh? <laughs> it was like, have your quiet time. And I was always like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so it's like. If you're going literally, then I guess I just. Right. It's like, yeah, is this right. time out? Like, am I in trouble? <laughs> it am I does trouble? sound like time out. Like, like what's going on? <laughs> uh, you know, but it generally meant, you know, okay, I'm going to read some book, you know, some, or I'm going to go through some sort of Bible study plan, yeah. you know. And, um, and I think one of the. One of the uh, real strengths of the Baptist and evangelical world is that um, when you spend enough time in that in, in the Baptist or evangelical expression, you really get a strong foundation of the Word of God. Yeah. You know, of the of you know the the Bible was kind of our bread and butter. Yeah. In a way that um, is uh, not completely unique, right? Everybody has the Bible, but we sort of put it at, at a a central place in terms of our identity and formation, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, where um, that's that's wonderful and and really uh, rich in in some way, mm-hmm. but we kind of stop there, 
yeah. and there are, um, you know, it's especially in a kind of a Catholic uh, tradition that has a much more sort of expansive view of history and mm -hmm. incorporates the traditions of the church and what people have believed and taught and, and practiced over 2,000 years. Uh, so, you know, St. Augustine, you know, yeah. Mother Teresa, John of the Cross, you know, these, these people that are uh, important in the Catholic history in terms mm -hmm. of, of their formation and faith. Um, we Baptists tend to have a, a much shorter historical view. Like yeah. we don't really, like maybe we know Billy Graham and maybe we know <laughs> Martin Luther. <laughs> and like, then it's like Paul and Jesus, right? <laughs> you know? And that's kind of what, that is our history, you know, of the church. It's <laughs> yeah, in between, it was just dark years. Yeah, we have no idea like, what happened. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, you know? And so um, I think that's a, I think that's a point of growth for, for Baptists and evangelicals, yeah. right? To, to, to kind of see what was, what other people before us, thought and how they lived and maybe some insights and some some wisdom that we can glean from yeah um, you know from the tradition that, yeah. I, that I think I, that I've really come to appreciate and have a a much more uh, much more aware of that uh, going through studies and being at oblate right there's, yeah there's a there's a, a wide rich diversity inside of the kind of the unifying elements of the mass and the in the hierarchy of of, of the church. Yeah. So it's yeah. yeah. No, that's and that's the thing, right? We don't know what we don't know. And mm. so when we keep a pretty narrow view of well, I'm a Baptist evangelical and maybe I didn't even choose that. That's just what my family decided that we were, right? right. And then and you kind of stay in that lane. Not that that in and of itself is a bad thing, right? But we um we can miss out, right? Because yeah. we know that we aren't doing it perfectly. You know, we may think we are, but in reality, we're not, right? And and nobody else is either, but that's the point of the body of Christ, right? Is that yeah. this group over here has really figured out this thing. And Baptists are great with the Bible, but we could really work on discipleship, like you said, right? Because I think that's, discipleship is the biggest piece that on church staffs, you know, we come together on retreat and we say, okay, what should discipleship look like at our church and we're like, okay, you know, and it feels like we're reinventing the wheel sometimes mm -hmm. when we talk about that. But in a, another tradition, like the Catholic tradition, they would say, no, this is what it looks like, you know, and, and they have that more or less. I mean, there's there's still some room for creativity there, but oh, sure. they have that yeah. set, you know, and it's, that's not the same question that they're asking is what it feels like. Right, right. Yeah. You know, it's actually interesting um, talking about the kind of the, the cross-fertilization or the conversation. Um, there is... Um, I mean, we had a faculty meeting yesterday at Oblate, you know, super exciting, you know, staff meeting. Uh, and uh, our, there's a master's program in scripture there. And uh, one of the things that they're talking about is that uh, up until relatively recently, the last 50 or so years, there hasn't been a big emphasis for personal Bible reading inside of the Catholic tradition. Mm -hmm. It's been... It's been uh, you, you read a lot of the Bible in Mass. You know, there's an Old Testament reading, there's a Psalms reading, there's a Gospel reading, there's a New Testament reading. So you're reading it kind of collectively in the services, but there was never an emphasis in terms of individual kind of faith formation of, of um, getting into Scripture yeah. on your own. And so mm -hmm. now they're, you know, Oblate is, trying to, is talking about that. Okay, how can we prepare future generations in the Catholic world to be more kind of biblically literate and, yeah. 
and using a lot of resources and, and scholars and, and tools that Baptists and evangelicals have given mm-hmm. for, to the church. You yeah. know, so it's an interesting kind of exchange there where you know, I think for the Baptist world, our gap is the kind of the history and the tradition and being um, more kind of holistic in our approach to formation, thinking about, you know, our family life and our emotional life and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our experience in the workplace and all these kinds of things. Or we typically kind of think, you know, kind of stereotype the Baptist, you know, it's like, oh, okay, let me just read Mark chapter four, verse 13. (laughs) And that's my formation for the day. I can check that (laughs) off my list, you know, and that's obviously silly, but yeah. So that you know, I think there's ways for us to learn from each other uh, to to create a a more um, holistic and, and well-rounded approach to who we are and our identity in Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and that's what, like I said, if we're a lot of us, if we're considering considering ourselves Baptists and evangelical, that comes with a lot of stuff that I don't think we realize mm. that it comes with. We think, well, I'm practicing Christianity, but really, there's all this cultural, you know, we're American Christians, and we're Baptist Christians, and we're evangelical Christians, you know, and stuff kind of gets piled on, and a lot of it is neither good nor bad, it's just what is, right? Um, But we're not always aware that what we're experiencing in church, or how we're experiencing um, our relationship with the Lord is um, layered in all of those things, right? And so, you know, as you've seen that in Baptist life and in other traditions, is there anything that you feel like we would do well to um, maybe hold out in front of us to look at it a little more critically or to not even necessarily shake loose from, but, you know, to to think a little more critically about instead of just going on with, well, this is how Christianity should look because this is how I've always done it. You know, is there anything that we might take a more critical eye to, if, if nothing else, just to understand it better? Yeah, you know, that's a... That's a big question, and that's, yeah. there's a lot of ways to answer that. But I think a good way to start that conversation is to, um, you know, maybe maybe challenge ourselves, get out of our comfort zone a little bit, and read read somebody from a different tradition. You know, maybe like in your in, your, in a small group, spend yeah. some time reading, you know, the um, the Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis or something, mm, who's mm-hmm. a Catholic theologian just before Martin Luther kind of got on the scene, or uh, Thomas Merton, who is a yeah. 20th century uh, monk that lived in Kentucky, of all places, and wrote all kinds of really great things about the the solitude of life and being, being uh, present with God in the challenges of kind of, he was... He was really active in this kind of anti-nuclear disarmament sort of mood. And so mm. thinking about, like, how global politics influences mm. our faith, right? That yeah. These kinds of really big questions that are kind of outside, like, we can't point to a verse in the Bible that talks about, like, all <laughs> nuclear, nu- disarmament. nuclear yeah. disarmament or something, <laughs> right? Uh, but nevertheless, yeah. like, how does, how does our faith and identity in Christ help us to think about these kinds of big yeah. challenges? Yeah. You know? um, so I good. think that would be, you know, kind of a first step into that is to find somebody um, that is from a different tradition and read them and kind of spend some time with them and see what, uh, not to uncritically just sort of take whatever they say, but yeah. to maybe be surprised at some new wisdom that kind of emerges there. Yeah. Or, or kind of confirming, oh, well, no, actually, I think this is, I think we have this this part yeah. right, you know, and I, I like this part better. Yeah, 
yeah, that's good. So what do you think? Uh, summer book study we can do, right? Thomas, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we do a summer, in lieu of this, over the summer, we do a book study, and so we just did C.S. Lewis. So maybe that's, oh, yeah. maybe you gave us some ideas for which, our next uh, one. <laughs> which which C.S. Lewis? The Great Divorce. Great Divorce. Yeah, it was a great study, so yeah. maybe that's something we can look forward to next summer, because I do think that would be the perfect forum for that, right? Because some of that is, yeah. um, that's hard to do on a Sunday morning. It is, right? it is, yeah. And that's, and, you know, if that's your main experience of church is on a Sunday morning, and even we do awesome things in, in Sunday morning Bible study, right? But we're packing it in, right? We're going through Galatians right now. That's enough to do, you know, yeah, in yeah. 45 minutes on a Sunday morning. And so there's so much that we need and that we want to do that um, we need to be in small groups for, right? We need to do um, outside of that two-hour long commitment on Sunday mornings. And so that's a great idea. I love that. Um, and so we've talked a lot in our, um, in our Sunday morning Bible study classes, and y'all might be, like, rolling your eyes at me because I feel like I try to bring this up as much as possible. But we talk about the Wesleyan quad- quadrilateral right, a lot, right, or the three-legged stool. There's multiple different ways to um, refer to it. But um, we try to talk about that a lot because we're, when we're thinking about something like this, right, where we say, do I believe this because I'm American? Do I believe this because I'm Christian? Because I'm Baptist, you know, Mm. what is informing my belief on this thing? And is that a good thing? You know, or or there's something new that we're trying to figure out what to do with. And um, we're trying to look at it critically, right? And it's good to know what we're testing these thoughts on, right? And so we've talked about this, right? And the point that, like you said before, that Baptists are the least familiar with is church history, right? Because if we're talking about we have scripture, we have church history, we have the spirit, and Wesley would say we have reason, right? Or we have the experience of how we have seen God move in our own life, right? Um, church history is where Baptists uh, fall short, yeah. right? Um, and so why is church history important for our own spiritual formation? Um, why is that something that is worth paying more attention to? And why are Baptists not good at it? It's really, that's a lot of questions in one. Yeah. Pick your favorite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'll start with the, you know, why I think it's important. Um, And I think the biggest reason is it is our story. Mm -hmm. Like we are, as professing Christians, as members of a Christian community, we are a part of the story of the disciples of Jesus Christ that have gone before us for 2,000 years, Mm -hmm. and there are amazing wisdom and experiences and critical thinking and problem-solving of all kinds of stuff uh, over the centuries, and some real problems, like some real backwards (laughs) ways of thinking about things, and some real kind of, you know, like, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I think we... You know, if we if we really understand, you know, our um, in the in the Gospels, you know, Paul talks a lot about the body of Christ, right? And we are, and part of what we are uh, professing when we call ourselves Christians, right, is that we are members of the kingdom of God on earth, right? You think about the Lord's Prayer, you know, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And we embody that by being by coming together in places like this. Um, but we're doing that as the global body of Christ across all kinds of denominations yeah. and expressions mm-hmm. of K 
cowboy churches and Greek Orthodox churches Mm -hmm. and, you know, house churches and First Baptist churches, Mm -hmm. you know, all over the world. And so there's, you know, there is uh, as, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so your brother sharp, you and your brother sharpen one another, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there is a, there's a benefit for us to be more uh, engaged intentionally with our fellow believers. Mm-hmm. And as wide as we can cast that net, I think yeah. then, you know, the, the richer that discernment and formation happens. Yeah. And that includes not just folks that are alive today, mm-hmm. but that goes on, you know, our tradition. And um, we, that's a huge huge resource that we don't really have in our wheelhouse. Yeah. And so I, to answer the why yeah. on, on, on that, I think it is, uh, well, I mean, there's a, I could put on my like academic hat and we could talk about all kinds of you know, historical things, which is not that uh, yeah. interesting probably here <laughs> for us, uh, at least interesting to me. But, um, but really I think it, it comes down to uh, we, have, we have not really, part of our reaction was we were you know, sort of, not Catholic, right? Was kind of a historically yeah. kind of what what evangelicals were, right? We were we were wary and skeptical of the the kind of authoritarian hierarchical way that the Catholic Church was operating back uh, several hundred years ago, mm-hmm. and so we were like, okay, we're not going to do that. And so what happened is you have um, basically just individual people that felt called by God to be ministers, and one of the things that we don't have is bishops and structures. And so there's no, so anyone led by the spirit can say, I am now Mm -hmm. going to start third Baptist church of San Antonio (laughs) down the street tomorrow. Come on and join me. Right. And that's, and that's for better or worse, right? For better or worse. Right. Yeah. So there's there's freedom in that, right. Mm -hmm. That we are, that we are responsive to the the movement and the call of the spirit, yeah. but that tends to mean that um, that education in terms of training for our ministers and our pastors is again sort of mm-hmm. can you, it's it's up to the individual, right? So to be uh, to be ordained in the Catholic Church, you have to go through years of training. It's mandatory before you can mm-hmm. even be eligible to be ordained. Um, I was ordained at Trinity Baptist Church. Uh, four or five-ish years ago, the requirement was um, I told my pastor that I was like, I would, I'd like for you guys, I'd like to be ordained, right? And I, I had gone to seminary and I had some training, but there, but in terms of the process, yeah. right, it was very much like, and the, there was a group of people that we had discernment uh, conversations with, and there was lots of prayer that went into that, and all, you know, it was a beautiful, wonderful thing. But that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a big yeah. reason, right? So we... No, that's about how mine was, too. It was, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's not this long, drawn-out thing. Like yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah. yeah, so we, we don't require our leaders to be trained in church history. And so when yeah. they get up to preach on Sunday morning, they preach on whatever they want to preach on. Yeah. And, it, and in their own their own study and their own what they know mm-hmm. is kind of up to what they are doing. Yeah. And so that um, that's a, one of the reasons why history has not been so uh, emphasized. Yeah. So we, it's easy, I say easy, it is, uh, it's like the scriptures are there available for us and it doesn't require a, a whole lot of theological education to, to read the Bible. Yeah. Uh, 
but we lose we lose some of the depth of the thinking thinking more deeply, thinking more critically in our own kind of historical situation uh, with yeah. with some of that. Yeah. So right, and that's what church history helps it because in reality we're we're reading something that's alive and active, but we're also reading something that had a lot of historical cultural context that is way you know, yeah. removed from where we are now, right? And so when we say, oh, church history, church mystery, right? We're, we're saying, oh, none of that space in between is of significance, right? And we can just automatically take all of these things that we don't really fully understand because they're grounded in culture and history, right, and scripture. Yeah. And we just try to transplant it to now, right? And, and that's never going to work perfectly, you know? And even with a full knowledge of church history, right? People disagree and people, oh, sure, yeah. you know, but, but we miss so much in that gap. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So a kind of a funny story. My dad, he just retired uh, in January. And so he was, had all this time on his hands. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about things over the years and my studies and all kinds of stuff, he was like, okay, I want to, I want to read some stuff. You know, mm-hmm. what, what would you recommend me starting to, to read? And uh, he was thinking, like, okay, here is, you know, a biblical commentary or here is, like, a scriptural study or yeah. something, right? And I said, okay, well, you should probably, like, pick up a history book of the church and read a church history. And he's yeah. like, why would I do that? And I'm like, well, because you've grown up basically in a, you know, the Methodist to Baptist sort of evangelical space. You have a good grasp of the Bible. Now there's always more to learn, but yeah. I was like, because of this gap, and he so he read a history uh, uh, book and was like, man, this is awesome. Like I had no idea that all this yeah. stuff that people had, you know, like where we got the doctrine of the Trinity, where we get, yeah. you know, how our understanding of of uh, of the salvation process, right? Of how. Yeah how we respond to the Spirit's promptings, like all these sort of really foundational mm-hmm. pieces, like there's really great uh, leaders in church history that have, that have thought really deeply about that. They yeah. can help us understand our lives and learning how to kind of bring, bring the scriptures alive mm-hmm. even more uh, by learning kind of historically what has, how the church has understood itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, and that's good because when, you know, history repeats itself, right? And so when something comes up, and normally the issues in the church, you know, one will come up every few years, and it's kind of this, you know, like clockwork, these things come up. And when we don't know our church history, right, we're like, oh, no, we have to figure this out, right? And we we put a lot of effort in to figuring out whatever this thing is. But like you said, there's people that have done a lot of that heavy lifting and a lot of that thinking for us, right? And we don't have to keep starting over every time. And that's part of what church history does is we, and I didn't ever plan on church history being like my shtick that I talk about all the time at church, but it's become that, right? Because in Baptist life, it's just, we are wasting a lot of our energy trying to figure something out that, you know, Somebody, somebody did a lot of work around. Um, yeah. We just have to do a little digging to see what that thing was, you know. Yeah. Um, and so is there any particular figures in church history that you have learned the most from or that you think would be good to start with? Or um, who in particular stands out as someone that has taught you throughout church history? Yeah. Um, I 
Yeah, a couple of people. Um, St. Augustine, yeah. he was uh, in the 4th and 5th century, so kind of right at the fall of Rome and kind of helped the church figure out what uh, it looked like after the Roman Empire was kind of crumbling. Um, does yeah. a lot of good work on um, how we understand and talk about God, you know, the, the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, those, how we... How we, how we kind of imagine those pieces, um, how we talk about um, being in community together, you know, sharing life and living life together. Yeah. Uh, really, really important uh, person. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say, um, you know, paying attention to our own histories. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did a lot of work in my dissertation and research on Jonathan Edwards, Oof. who is a, kind of a Puritan revivalist preacher uh, in the... That's and the other name that some people would probably say, uh, there was a Jonathan Edwards guy, right? <laughs> That's right. the one other name right, that we yeah, can maybe, add to our canon. Maybe you know yeah, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, he bridges Edwards. a gap uh, somewhere. Yeah. So you, you, if you know the, the name Jonathan Edwards, you might know his like hellfire brimstone kind of preaching of sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? Which is this <laughs> really crazy sermon where like the image is we are – the human person is hanging over this like fire pit on a spider web and like dangling there. And this is like God's wrath and judgment. And like, you know, it's, there's some problems there, right? Uh, but he has other great pieces. Uh, and what he makes does, him yeah. such an important figure is he, is he helps uh, in American Christianity understand uh, religious revival. Yeah. And the importance of paying attention to the spirits movement in our lives. And so he has this book called Religious Affections. Mm -hmm. And how do we, um, you know, there's, he makes these kind of similar parallels of, you know, the, the joy that we find in a sunrise or a beautiful vista in nature is a point of connection to be in relationship with God. If we can pay attention and cultivate our um, emotional life and yeah. the ways that we, we feel and the things that we love that can be that can be pathways to um, to learning and being in relationship with God, yeah. and that's a really it's been a really important for uh, thinking about our our worship tradition. You know, where we have mm -hmm. hymns and praise songs, and we like to be maybe a little expressive. You know, raise our hands, or we feel personally kind of connected to God's presence in worship. Mm -hmm. That, in a lot of ways, comes from people like Jonathan Edwards that help to usher in and lead these revival movements before yeah. the U.S. was even a nation. We were still a colony of, of England. Yeah. So there's some people like that yeah. that I think really... Uh, yeah, that's good. You know, really kind of yeah. show us the the fruits of, of, of church history. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned him because what we tend to do, like, like you said, Baptists or a lot of evangelicals will say, when, when I'm figuring out what church should look like, well, we're not Catholic, right? And so we kind of, if anything looks like Catholicism or smells like Catholicism or whatever, we say, nope. And we, we do the opposite of that thing, right? And, and we have this dualistic thinking that we fall victim to all the time, right? And we do the same when we're evaluating someone in church history, right? Because we chuckle at Jonathan Edwards because we're like, oh, the hellfire and brimstone guy, you know? Right. Okay, I don't know how much of him I can handle, right? But like you said, he has amazing things that he was talking about things like, you know, understanding our emotional connection with the spirit, you know, that 
that was not the the main conversation that was happening in churches of that time right and so it's funny that the same man that we can say okay dude that was that's too much right we're we're overemphasizing wrath here you know or whatever he's also writing all these amazing beautiful gentle things right and so when we don't do more digging we can easily say oh that's not someone worth reading right but there's, he wrote so many awesome things that we can really benefit from, that we have benefited from, whether or not we know it, yeah. right? And that's um, yeah. I one story about Jonathan Edwards. Do you know Doug Weaver at Baylor University? I do. Okay. So he came, if y'all remember Doug Weaver, he came to Midweek in the City uh, last semester. He's a sweet old man that we joke he... <laughs> He's, he's one of me and Blaze's favorite professors at Baylor, but um, he spoke about all kinds of stuff, um, mainly around um, the Holy Spirit and how we understand the Holy Spirit, if y'all were there for that one. Um, but he was our Christian history professor our freshman year at Baylor, our uh, heritage professor. And since then, we've just become the best of friends. But my I have a core memory <laughs> that Doug Weaver formed because we were that day we were talking about Jonathan Edwards. And he's theatrical and kind of dramatic. And he decided he was going to kind of impersonate how Jonathan Edwards would preach these particularly hellfire and brimstone uh, preachers. And unfortunately, I was sitting in the front row, and he decided to really get into character. And he got about this close to my face and, you know, was spinning on about why, you know, everyone was going to go to hell, you know, and and all these things and and yelling about this close to my face. And he did a great Jonathan Edwards um, impression. But... He did not include um, some of these other more, you know, gentle, meditative things that he wrote, right? And so, anyway, that's what I think of with Jonathan Edwards is Doug Weaver and real close yeah. to my face yelling at me. But that's No, so Edwards, important. he has a uh, really beautiful, uh, he wrote about his own conversion experience. Yeah. And so it, and it talks about him as a, as a young boy making this sort of prayer chapel in the woods and spending hours in meditation and prayer and and finding God in the 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 grasshoppers that jump through the weeds in the yard and all that just really paying attention to his own experiences in the world and how those are are related to you know kind of uh, what does he call them like shadows of God's glory Right, and so yeah. it's really this mm-hmm. beautiful story of his own of his own early life and conversion, and that, um, yeah. And if you know, yeah. he also has the hellfire and brimstone piece <laughs> too, right? So it's, but all of us are kind of complicated like that, yeah. right? And I think that's that's part of you know that's part of the the fun of exploring and look, looking at new uh, people is yeah. some of it will be you'll you'll latch onto, and some of it you're like, oh nope, no thanks, not for me, yeah. but. Until we until we sort of start engaging all of that, um, yeah. And so one other recommendation, yeah. Richard Foster, he is uh, an amazing, uh, <laughs> amazing scholar. He yeah. he did a lot of work because a lot of spirituality stuff and spiritual discipline mm-hmm. things is uh, historically been kind of siloed in the Catholic tradition. Yeah. And so Richard Foster did a good uh, a good service for us and kind of helped to translate a lot of these spiritual disciplines to a, a Protestant and evangelical audience. Mm-hmm. And so this book is called Streams of Living Water. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it, it kind of does a more of a historical survey, but it looks at kind of six major kind of streams of Christian spirituality. So he talks mm-hmm. about 
the uh, mystical tradition. He talks about the evangelical tradition. He talks about the charismatic tradition and talks about the, uh, the prophetic or the activist tradition of these ways in which people put their faith in action across history and across denominations. Yeah. Um, and so it's a really good kind of a, if you wanted a kind of a introduction into the kind of the, the wide world of, of Christian formation, this would be a, a yeah. it's not exactly a devotional read, like in terms of mm -hmm. practice, but it'll give you a, a, a good introduction to kind of who's out there and yeah. things you might be interested in to look into further. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's so. why, you know, there's a reason why when we say Richard Foster, everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> I know that guy, right? Because he really did pioneer a, yeah. how do you, how do you practice the spiritual disciplines in the Protestant context, you know, and that's, yeah. We still read him because that was such a un, you know, untreaded. And I think he's land. Presbyterian. Yes, or I think so. Main, main line of some yeah. variety, I think. Uh -huh. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but he's written books on prayer and like exploring different ways of praying. You know, we have, we might have like intercessory prayer, and we might have the Lord's Prayer. It's kind of yeah. our as our <laughs> variety of prayer, yeah. right? Uh, but looking at meditation, looking at Praying the scriptures, uh, looking at, uh, you know, uh, doing a prayer of examine or mm -hmm. looking back over our day and trying to see where was God moving that I, maybe I didn't notice, yeah. you know, maybe at, maybe at lunch or when I was angry at the car for cutting me off in traffic. Or, you know, <laughs> what, was, what was God trying to tell me that I was ignoring at the time and kind of doing some recollection that way? Yeah. Um, anyway, so he's, he's another person that I would yeah. recommend for... Well, and that's perfect, because one of the other things, you know, we talked about last week, if you were with us, we talked about um, practicing Sabbath, right? And how um, most of us don't really do that, even though it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? And we, we just kind of ignore that, that little piece of information, right? We, we kind of, it, we're rewarded for not doing that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but Sabbath is just one of a whole host of things of the spiritual disciplines that we can incorporate, right? But like we've said, it can feel overwhelming, especially if you're someone that, like me, I have a hard time with silence. And just, so when, sometimes when we think of spiritual disciplines, we think of, I just have to sit in silence and meditate for hours on end. Oh my gosh, there's no way, right? And, and so we don't even try. And so for someone who's, um, because this is going to be our loose theme, it's not going to be something that we talk about every week, but um, spiritual formation and finding the things that connect us to the Lord. That's kind of our theme throughout this semester, and that's something we're going to really high center on on our retreat. Um, so for someone who's like, okay, I, I try to read scripture and, and I spend time in prayer, um, what other spiritual disciplines should I try? You know, And that's the other thing is we're trying new things, and that's okay if it sticks or if it doesn't stick. But for someone who's starting to go down that road, what are some things that you would suggest or some practices that you think would be most helpful to start with there? Yeah, um, an easy one that uh, that is um, maybe not even that unfamiliar uh, would be writing down your story. Like, what is your spiritual autobiography? Mm. What is the story of your faith? You know, how did, yeah. how do you look at your life and try to make sense of it in light of in light of your relationship with God. That's a good way of kind of getting into thinking about yeah. the more kind of contemplative mode, right? Because a lot of it is um, a lot of it is more 
less the things that you do, you know, because there's, you know, there's prayer walks and there's stations of the cross and there's prayer labyrinths and there's, mm -hmm. you know, meditation and all these different things. And a lot of it is kind of learning to, learning to pay attention to your inner voice. Yeah. You know, what is, how is it that you hear God speaking to you? And that's something that we don't normally maybe think about in that language, right? We mm -hmm. might say, okay, I want to, I'm praying, so I'm actively sort of like, God, I'm praying about this thing and this person, and please help me with this thing, and oh, thank you for these things and all, and that's wonderful, right? But the, but the listening, the the being still and knowing that I am God, mm -hmm. kind of practice that that's uncomfortable for us a lot of times, and so yeah. maybe start by journaling or you know telling your story or just what's on your heart and just kind of get it out yeah. and start to listen to uh, that, and then you'll start to recognize that still small voice mm -hmm. kind of more, yeah. more often. Yeah, that's good. And that's a good way to describe a lot of these, um, especially the more meditative spiritual disciplines is hearing that still small voice. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, cause like we said, part of Sabbath is, um, stopping for long enough to be able to hear from the Lord or to appreciate and to enjoy the things that the Lord has given us. Right. Because if left to our own devices, we will literally never do that. And we'll, we'll spiral out and we will burn out because that is um, the way of the stream that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. And so part of the spiritual disciplines is just stopping long enough to be able to hear the voice of the Lord, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and another one that we're probably more familiar with on the, in the Baptist world is service, right? Mm -hmm. of, of acts of service, you know, of, of reaching out to our community and showing love to people. That's a good spiritual discipline that we probably maybe don't think in terms of yeah. formation, but yeah. that is part of our formation. So it's not yeah. that Baptists are terrible at spiritual formation. It's just <laughs> that we have, we have kind of these very well-worn lanes that we stay in. Yeah. Uh, and so trying out some new things can, can enliven and enrich in that for us. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And that's, I'm glad that you said that to you because that's, and the more you read Richard Foster and the more you read through church history, you'll say, oh, there's, there's all kind, you know, there's not like a, a list of these are the 10 things you can choose from when it comes to, you know, picking what works for you as far as spiritual disciplines go, right? Yeah. Um, service is one of those things. And right before we got started, we met with a couple um, that lead a trip to Poland, a missions trip to Poland, right? And they were just sharing their experience because one of the things that we want the single adults ministry to be able to do soon, and we don't have any of the details worked out, but one of the things we're hoping to do in the near future is to be able to say there is a people group um, in another part of the world that um, we are going to become friends with and to minister to and serve, and they serve us in return, right? And so service locally and globally is one of those things. But we don't think of that necessarily as um, a form of spiritual formation, even though it absolutely is, right? Ministering cross-culturally is absolutely a form of spiritual formation. Um, but, yeah, so I'm glad that helps us widen our scope yeah. for that. Um, and so... What are some difficulties or like speed bumps that we encounter if we're trying to incorporate a new spiritual practice into our lives? Um, there's a reason why a lot of these things don't stick, or there's a reason why I'll, we'll try something and say, you know, I, I don't know if this is a good fit for me, or maybe it's just new, so it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. What are some of the difficulties that come with trying to incorporate these things, and how can we work through those things? Yeah, so I think one of the difficulties is, right, change is hard, 
and it's even people that say they like change, they like change on their own terms, right? <laughs> yeah, I like change when I decide that I right, right. When I want to change, it's great. You know, yeah. when someone is sort of pushing me to change, uh, not so much. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, give yourself grace, right? That it may be awkward or feel uncomfortable or like I feel a little silly, mm -hmm. you know, journaling or something, right? This, yeah. you know, I'm not a 12-year-old anymore. I don't need to keep my <laughs> diary. Or maybe you've been journaling your whole life and you're like, oh, this is amazing. I love it. You know, yeah. like, so this is, you know, there's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, and I would I would say, Try it a few times. Don't just try it once, and if it didn't work, then never come back to it. You know, try it once, yeah. maybe in a week or two or the next day, come back to it and try it again. Because uh, sometimes the repetition of something, you'll start to, it'll click, yeah. you know, at, at some point, you know. Um, and so don't be afraid to, and don't be afraid to, you know, you try something a couple times and it doesn't work. You haven't, you haven't, like, lost anything. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. and so you'll... Eventually, as you start exploring and you start um, and start kind of being patient with yourself and and training yourself, really, a lot of it is is listening, right? Yeah. Training yourself to listen. You know, what is what is giving me joy? What is uh, what is my what are my burdens? What am I afraid of? Or what is making me anxious? Um, you know, those kinds of things lead us into um, kind of an openness to to try new things. Yeah. And so that would. Kind of be patient and and try it a few times since before you you decide that it's not gonna it's not for you. Yeah, no, I th and I think that's important for us to hear, right? Because all a lot of times, if um, if I'm trying something new or even something that I know I should be doing but I'm not doing it, um, I'll do it a, f a few times and it feels a little awkward because you know it's it's new and then I I kind of let it go by the wayside and I think, ugh, well that's another thing I failed at. Right. That's another way that I am not up to snuff spiritually and, you know, just add it to the list. Yeah. Right. And that's not at all what that experience should be like for you. You know, we I would love for you to engage in these things and to find what works for you. But if there's something that's like, oh, that's that's just not how I commune with the Lord. Like you said, you haven't lost anything by yeah. trying something, you yeah. know, Um but yeah. we can get into that mindset really easily. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, so we're, more more practically, because I'm talking more in kind of generalities. Um, there's a there's a type of prayer called the prayer of examine. I mentioned yeah. that earlier, um, and um, it kind of is in a it it's a process of of a kind of formula of prayer throughout the day, and the cycle actually starts in the evening at the end of the day, and so what you're what you do is you, when you start your prayer, you look over and you, and you ask God to sort of retrace the day with you. Mm. What did you do when you woke up? What did you have for breakfast? You went to work or your school or whatever. You had lunch. You called your mom. You went to bed, right? That's, that's yeah. your day. And then you, so you kind of walk that through and you're kind of listening and kind of being reminded what you did. And then you ask, okay, what are three things that I really felt joy or or happiness? What gave me life mm. today? And and see if maybe maybe God was a part of that, and you just didn't recognize it at the mm. beginning, right? So these, and then so maybe then as as you uh, as you end your prayer, you start looking at tomorrow. What is what is it that God has for me to do tomorrow? 
and part of that will be your calendar. You know, you have this appointment at 10.30 and whatever else, but you're sort of opening yourself up to, okay, God, you direct my path tomorrow. Mm. And then you start over again that evening. What did I do today? What are three things that really gave me life? And so that rhythm of yeah. kind of looking back over your day and then looking forward to tomorrow, that's a good kind of nuts and bolts practical way yeah. of getting into an, a maybe a, a more of a rhythm of prayer yeah. that can that can start to train us on listening yeah. to that. That's awesome. And that's as someone who, I don't know if you know the Enneagram, but mm-hmm. um, I'm a nine. And so I'm past oriented, right? So when I'm laying in bed at night, I think, well, I did that wrong and this wrong. And, you know, I'm just reflecting on not just the day, but like my whole life, right? <laughs> I'm thinking about, I'm in the past a lot of the time, right? And it's not often very positive thinking. I'm thinking about, oh, I really, okay, that didn't really go well. And, oh, and, you know, and, and I live in that space for far too long, right? And Blaze is always saying, like, it's in the past. Just come on. Like, <laughs> we need to move forward, right? But, yeah, like Rafiki, it's in the past. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's where I tend to camp out, right? And not in a healthy way, in a I can kind of spiral. But doing something like that, you know, and so if, if you're like that, or even if you're not, um, a practice like that would be so lovely, right? To be able to sit even just for a few minutes with the Lord and say, okay, sure, things went wrong, but here's where the Lord was with me, you know, and to be able yeah. to take that into the next day. That's an awesome, yeah, yeah that's an awesome practice. Um, okay, final question before we get to Q&A. Um, is there one text from church history that you think every Christian ought to read or that you think we ought to start with or... Um, hmm. what's a good place to to start if we're like, okay, we're going to try this whole getting into church history thing? Yeah, we can survey the audience too. <laughs> yeah. um. And that's like, you know, a million as a, possible options, yeah, so it's bunch. okay if you don't have one. Um. <laughs> I would say this is a more recent book. Uh, Thomas Kelly, A Testament of Devotion, mm-hmm. is a Quaker. Uh, he, um, uh, in the Quaker tradition, um, another kind of very more kind of practice and intentional community that kind of embraces uh, formational practices mm-hmm. uh, in their own or evangelical-ish uh, in their uh, history. Uh, but he does a really good job of kind of walking through things like um, obedience and community and stillness and service and, and some of the some of the, the big kind of concepts, uh, but in a really um, in a really yeah. sort of just beautiful way. He's a great writer, so yeah. I would say that's a that's a good place to start. That introduces us in a more familiar space yeah. uh, with the you know us us evangelicals. Uh, you know, we could go off and read one of the mystic writers, and you'd be like scandalized or that's something. true you know because it's like <laughs> they're they're doing what they're, they're levitating they're <laughs> they're having conversations with people in another country like what is like what is going on like all kinds of I mean, it's wild out there guys it is it really is it's wild. a wild world <laughs> uh, so maybe not jumping off from the deep end you know Im- immediately uh, but yeah. uh, you know seeing this you know i'm, I'm a big star wars fan mm-hmm. and so it's like these are your first steps into a larger world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. wait, say the title again. It is uh, A Testament of Devotion okay. Okay. by Thomas Kelly. Awesome. 
cool. Th thank you. I know that I put you on the spot with <laughs> coming up with a, a text, but that's awesome. Yeah. I like it. Um, okay, so thank you for sharing your time with us. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Um, any questions that came up for y'all as we were talking? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there, there's several good uh, kind of introductory history books. You know, they're not necessarily the most like exciting things to read, but there's authors that do it well. Um, I'm thinking of um, uh, Justo Gonzalez, mm -hmm. Church History. Some of it, part, part of the problem is uh, a lot of the stuff that's written for seminary and graduate school stuff uh, assumes that people have already been kind of in that world and kind of yeah. know things. And so uh, finding a um, finding a kind of, you know, entry level, and not entry in a uh, pejorative way, but just like a first dip into that is, is uh, hard sometimes. Um, uh, but you also just might, uh, you might just kind of look at some, like who are some, who are the most important people in, like just like do like a Wikipedia search or a Google search or something like who was the most important person in the fourth century mm. or the twelfth century or the seventeenth mm. century and just see what names pop up and read a little bit about their lives uh, yeah. and that kind of gives you a little kind of something to to hang on yeah. Um, um, but yeah I think there's really not really other you just kind of have to get into it at some point. Yeah. Um, and so reading, uh, and maybe even starting backwards and kind of reading about what are, who were some people, you know, in the last hundred years that were influential. So looking at someone like uh, Mother Teresa mm -hmm. and Billy Graham and um, um, what was that? C.S. Oh, yeah. Lewis, yeah. 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 That's a good Oswald one. Chambers, another interesting person there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so like getting into some of them and, and, and seeing who were they influenced by. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you have a, you know, maybe you have a, you know, a person that you're reading now and like look and see what a, do they, do they tell you who they're thinking about or who are they engaging with and start to yeah. go, uh, start yeah. to go that way. Yeah. No, that's a good, cause I think that's an important question too, right? Because yeah, we can talk about it in seminary, right? And we can send more of our Protestant pastors through that theological education route, but that's it's hard to get it into mm -hmm. the pews, right? Um, also, Scott Moore, who's come to Midweek multiple times, um, has a book, I think it's called Drinking with the Saints, or, yep, right? Nice. Yeah. Yep. Um, so some, you know, and that's just like a funny take on that, but... Um, yeah, yeah, he has a bunch of books, and he read part of his most recent book and last time he was here, right? But And I have one up in my office, I forget what it's called, but it's like, you know, walking with the early church fathers, right? And so um, there are a few, they're few and far between, right? But right. finding something that's a little more approachable, yeah. it's, it's worth reading, right? Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> uh, 
churches. I'm I can't think of a church that has done it well. I mean, we have there are there are plenty of evangelical thought leaders and writers and authors mm-hmm. that are doing all this kind of stuff. Uh, but in terms of a church, I don't know. Um, Mm. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that um, that's that several evangelical churches are starting to embrace over the last couple of decades is uh, the lectionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the lectionary is a three-year cycle where that every uh, it, it, you walk through the entire Bible. over the course of three years. And so the lectionary is a guide for what the pastor is going to be preaching on. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different because most of us probably grow up in churches that have sermon series. So we're going to be talking about Paul for the next six weeks, and then we're going to talk about Job, and then we're going to talk about (laughs) Moses, and then we're going to talk about families or, you know, whatever, you know, all the different little kind of pieces that we we pull together. Mm -hmm. So the lectionary, what that does is... Um, you, in the in the Catholic calendar, the lectionary also is how they keep mark of like feast days for days of, of, of saints, you know, of their birthdays or their death dates is usually what those feast days are. And so that's how the Catholic Church kind of weaves in tradition with the with the service. Yeah. So maybe doing something kind of lectionary ish where uh, you're reading through a, a schedule of, of passages for your scripture text, but you're also talking about people that were, that made impact mm. in that, in that yeah. world of the scripture, right? Yeah. Bringing in some That's of the really in, intentionally, like from the, from the pulpit and from your Sunday school classes, like, okay, we're going to be reading Romans. Let's talk about Karl Barth and yeah, you know, this good. theologian that did a really great thing in Romans in mm-hmm. the 1950s or whatever it was, right? Yeah. And so there's, there's ways to do it that way where yeah. you don't have to just like just go to seminary to get the, you know, and spend three years and thousands of dollars to yeah. to get church history, you know. Yeah. So there's there no, are some ways. That's a really good idea to use the lectionary like devotionally like that, mm-hmm. right? It's it yeah, we use it as a way to organize the church calendar. And I love if I'm preaching at a church and they use the lectionary, I'm like, yes, right? Because they're like, here are your four options. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't have to like figure out where they're at in their series. But um yeah, using the lectionary and it's online, y'all, it's not like it's not like the Holy Grail. You just it's online, yeah, um, and so you can literally re- revised common lectionary. Just Google that, and it'll come up. Um, yeah, and to be and that's a great way to incorporate church history to say, oh yeah, and there's okay, this is the feast day of this saint. Who is that person? You know, yeah. um, that's a great way to do that. I have a commentary for the lectionary up in my office. That's it's really helpful if y'all ever want to like see what that looks like. Um, yeah, Laura. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Susan? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. That's a really good specific resource for us that, yeah, you're like, I don't know about, you know, Augustine or Chrysostom or some of these people, but I I can start with this church, right? And that that's valuable in and of itself. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of yeah. things that keep coming out. Yeah, so our office is Coconut Hall, like, of the Baylor oh, family. Yeah. And so I, it's full circle. I lived in Coconut my freshman year at Baylor, and now I'm back to Coconut. Um, the same there family that donated. The <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, okay, any, any other questions for August? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't have an immediate response to that. Let me think about that. Um, so I think one of the things that, that Baptists do pretty well, right, is we, we do have a, um, like, one of the treasure troves of our kind of spirituality is our hymnody and our yeah. praise and worship, right? There is really wonderful, beautiful depth in some of the, I don't know if you've ever read some of the, like, the words, like, pay attention to the words of some of the hymns, mm-hmm. like, really beautiful struggles and joys and and kind of expressions of the Christian life. And so I think our worship actually is one of our kind of strengthening uh, high, you know, high marks, yeah. you know, that we do that really well um, at, at being over at, at Oblate at a Catholic place. And there's different services and things, you know, the, the, uh, the worship and hymnody is just so different. And, uh, and part of it's just, it's, it's different from what I'm used to in, you know, in the Baptist world, but it, <laughs> so I mean I think there is you know there there is some stuff for, you know it's not um it, it's the it's the rooms for growth but also the celebrating what we're doing well yeah. and so yeah um you know other collective things that you know the the Quakers uh, for example you know they're really good at like sort of uh, kind of collective listening mm-hmm. you know so they they come together and. Until the spirit speaks from mm. someone, right? And so that's a, you know, this uh, being, you don't yeah. have to do these things by yourself. Yeah. You know, we can come and think about what does it mean to meditate together, to, mm. you know, to, to be, to spend a, a minute or two in silence, 
at the start or end of a Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. And see how that changes the the tenor of the of the gathering. Mm. Yeah, especially if because even just a slightly prolonged period of silence, especially in a group, it's you know you f- you feel your shoulders rising yeah, sometimes like, oh, no. with it. You're like, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna break it? Right? And you're kind of in this. Yeah. <laughs> but being able to sit back and be okay with you know silence is okay and the spirit is moving and yeah. put it in to you know doing that together would be really amazing really mm. stretching but yeah lucas Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, really, my my Methodist origins are the kind of least accessible because we were that was like from like birth to like six, so I don't really have a whole lot of even memory of of the Methodist church. My my grandparents are still a part of the Methodist uh, tradition, and so I do have some, you know, going to church with them when we're going to visit and things like that. Um, but for really for me, it's really this been the Baptist Catholic kind of conversation, um, and so um, I think I've I've gotten an, a a really good uh, appreciation for um, the the Lord's Supper has changed a lot for me yeah. uh, over the last ten years. Of uh, you know, it's it's something that we sort of do as an afterthought a lot of times in Baptist churches. You know, it's once a month or once a quarter. Uh, but that is where, for Baptists, the the sermon and the preaching is kind of the the center and focus of the worship service. In the, in the Catholic tradition, it's the it's the table, it's the Eucharist. Uh, and so this, um, this really kind of reflecting, and they def- have really great um, reflections and, and teaching and wisdom about... Um, remembering Jesus' death, but also, like, this is our participation in that death, mm-hmm. and and we are we are sort of embodying the death, burial, resurrection of Christ when we uh, participate in the Lord's Supper, and so it's it's taken on a lot of new meaning for me, uh, which I have really appreciated, um, uh, without getting into, like, the theological debates of real presence and memorial, I mean, and whatever, like, all that, yeah. that's not, that's not, you know, been the important, but just the uh, to see how uh, putting that in kind of the the center of the focus, uh, as opposed to sort of the well, this is a thing we do every now and then because, <laughs> yeah. right? Which is sort of how the a lot of times Baptists kind of approach that. Yeah. So that's one example yeah. of that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, yeah. it's great. Yeah, I think that's 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 important to to remember, right? Because all of us are, I mean, we're all human, right? So we've all got our flaws and our idiosyncrasies, right? But we also have our strengths, you know. And I, so I think, uh, uh, you know, the, the the two ones that come immediately to mind are uh, are community service mission, right? That that emphasis is a core identity of of Baptist evangelical expression. Um, so in um, in, hist- in the history of the church, to kind of pull this a little bit, kind of connecting, um, things like Sunday school and like small group Bible study, like that is that is a Baptist gift to the church. Uh, and that, we don't and I think, think we take about, that for granted. We don't think yeah. about that as like mission and service, but like that is, that is outreach, that is yeah. reaching out into the community. Uh, I mean, think about the you know, the, the meal trains and the prayer chains that come out of our Sunday school small groups, right? Yeah. That's where sort of life happens for a lot of churches, right? That is a, that is a Baptist uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, when we think about global missions, right, and sending out uh, missionaries and, and having churches intentionally kind of reach across demographic lines and, you know, partner with, you know, an African-American church or a Polish church mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, we, we partner with a church in Spain and, we, and, you know, all, you know, those kinds of connections, right? That's a, you know, that's something that, that Baptists have done well uh, over yeah. the years. Uh, and I mentioned already worship. And yeah. I do think, I mean, that's also not specifically Baptist, but Wesleyan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Methodists and evangelicals, but this um, being you know, singing our praises to God, you know, yeah. we do, that's a, that's a hallmark. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's a good question. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Any other final thoughts for August? Well, this was a really great conversation. Um, and I hope that you took a few things, um, you know, a few pieces home with you, especially, um, some book titles. And so remind us, okay, this one is, so this is streams of living water. Okay. Sorry, Rich. <laughs> yeah, it's. It Is it looks, coming tomorrow to our house? Yeah, it looks big and scary, but it's 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 a it's a good read. Yeah, um, and then uh, Thomas Kelly, a testament of devotion. Yes, I think I mentioned that. I'm not yeah. sure. Oh, and and then Thomas Akempis, imitation yeah. of Christ. I mean, those are. Yeah. Three good ones right there. Awesome. Be lots of fun. Well, that's yeah. So there there are things. Hopefully, you know, we're talking about some big concepts, but things that we can take home with us and. Um, and do some homework, right? And if we're going to be good um, lay people and getting into church history, then we'll go home and we have some tools to, to take home with us, right? Um, so let's thank August again for joining us. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank no, you. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Awesome.